One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Christina Applegate, you gotta put me on. I guess who's a piece of 
of the cake was that on You broke a wishbone and wish for a sign I told you whispers in my heart were fine What did she think she could do? I feel for her I really do And I stared at the ring finger on her hand I wanted her to be a big PM Dawn fan But I had to put her right back with the rest That's the way it goes I guess everyone and <clears throat> we'll do that again you don't even need to edit that out hello everyone <laughs> and welcome to the straight white whale podcast my name is darren connell this is episode 92 we have a guest in the studio today but we're going to keep it professional before we start it we need to do an ad read and my pal paul is going to do that because i'm not allowed to do it there's good feedback for the the Radio ad read that you did last week. Mm. I should maybe just keep doing it in that voice. <laughs> just do it as a voiceover. Anyway, today's sponsor is Argue and Co. Legal. So Alan Argue, what a legend, keeping the lights on here at Straight White Whale. Um, they are a Glasgow-based law firm and their offices are in George Square. They can assist you with most legal issues and you can contact them no matter what the issue because if they can't, they'll point you in the right direction. So... There's no need for you not to contact them. Their main area of expertise is personal injury claims. So if you've been in a car accident, injured at work, fallen down a well, or bitten by somebody's pet tiger, I'm sure Darren looks like the type of cunt that's got a pet tiger somewhere, <laughs> they'll be able to get you the maximum compensation that you deserve. The main difference between arguing co-legal and the big law firms that you see on TV and radio is, is the level of customer service and their approachability. I've used Alan um, and arguing co-legal for a car accident that I was in and seamless process, great communication. And like you say, they got me the maximum compensation. So they are generally cheaper than any other law firm, but they also have no win, no fee. So get in touch. If there is a fee, they'll give you a discount. If you quote straight white whale, that might sound a bit weird, like phoning a law firm and going straight white whale. <laughs> but He's saying he'll give you a discount. So if you have been in an injury or you have any legal problems that you're looking for advice, contact Alan on 0141-378-4145. Like I said, their offices are in George Square or you can get them at argueandco.co.uk. That's A-R-G-U-E-A-N-D-C-O.co.uk. Thanks very much, Alan. Thank you very much, Paul, for that professional ad read and thank you very much, Mr. Argue for sponsoring the podcast perhaps david could phone alan argue 
after he gets attacked for wearing that fucking jumper. <laughs> oh. Mate, you're a... I, you I'm, not, I'm not bullying you, I'm just saying... It's not the first time you've picked up on it, by the way. Well, I'm just saying, right, see if that was 20 years ago, mate, and you walked through Glasgow with that on, you wouldn't be sitting here. There would just be a jumper floating down the Clyde. I actually need a lawyer, by the way. I need a lawyer at the moment, right? Because I'm amidst a car crash claim and their murder. I'm not going to say who it is, what mm -hmm. big firm it is, but they're taking absolute ages. So I think it's a very appropriate uh, sponsor for this podcast. Get in touch with him. Oh no, the claims is already going through. I'm oh, towards the end of it. It's got, it's got, it's done. It's I'm done. getting my free massages from, from the physio already. I can't, can't switch. All oh, right, okay. Well, for next time then, give him a shout. <laughs> for give my him. next crash. <laughs> <laughs> or deliberately go and crash your car. Aye, <laughs> right, let's start a scheme. Who was it that told us that he knew about uh, uh James. Aye, so, because you obviously you weren't here, you're the guest. Do you want to introduce David before we start? Getting into yes, it. David, apologies. Hello everyone, for anyone that's listening, David McIntosh is a dear friend. Um, he's a stand-up comedian, podcaster, and would you say event speaker? I do a lot of speaking uh, through my work, I Yeah? I do. Like uh, Tony Robbins? <laughs> kind of like, <laughs> like Gary Vaynerchuk, Grant Cardone, one of those guys yeah. that tell you to sleep four hours a day and work. The rest aye. Of it, aye. No, not really. Do you wear that jumper when you get? <laughs> Scared on. What size is that? Uh, extra small girls. I'm uh, can I have it. <laughs> uh, I don't think that would get past my fucking Adam's apple, mate. We're looking at sports for mate. <laughs> so David's David's welcome. Development by David podcast. Yes. We mentioned the name of the podcast, but James told us a story, David, where he knew somebody who hired a bus, <laughs> got the bus full of their mates, and then. What would you say? Conspired a car crash so that everybody in the bus get a claim. I think it's genius, mate. Me and Darn are talking about doing it. How how would you do that so it had like maximum impact in terms of claim but minimum impact in terms of like damage? Like what was the car crash? That we don't know. But Allegedly. Like so say for instance I hire a bus and I fill it with all my mates and then you jump in your car. You're like, ah, do you know what? I went fucking rid of this motor. You drive in front of the bus, you slam in the brakes, the bus driver, boom, into the back. He's rear-ended you. It's not your fault. It's the bus driver's fault. It's dogs that are getting pumped, but everybody on the bus gets a claim. Something along the lines. I don't know. I don't know if that's that's how. How, how it can works. we recreate that on the way home from this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I would like I would lose a finger or something. Like if I was involved with you, I'd be like I'd lose a finger or a thumb. I don't mind. Deliberately. Yeah. I don't what, need what, a finger. If we were to sacrifice a finger, what finger would you sacrifice? It's, all, it's going to be no. the gommy one. No, no. That's like your USP. <laughs> 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 Sorry, people can't hear me because I was fixing the camera. No, don't don't make it. Don't make it your calling, like your your stigmata, hmm. your sign that you're directly related to Jesus Christ. <laughs> that birthmark spoke to you once as well. Yeah, I was out my not an acid though. <laughs> or it might have been tramadol. Did you hear, so I take it you guys know about the, is it called The Sound of Freedom? Yes, the movie. Yeah, I'm so you, you don't know about this, right? So this movie, A Sound of three, Freedom... Be careful with buzzwords here if we are sticking this on YouTube. Okay. Okay, aye. So Sound of Freedom is a movie that's been made by the a certain group of people 
that are associated, I can't even say his name if it's on YouTube, it's like the Q and Honours, right? And it's like a story where the guy that wrote it saying that he had this personal experience of sort of like, um, and, but it, it turned out during the week, you know, blah, 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 we could get into it, we won't get into it, but it turned out that their whole thing came for, he said that it was a psychic reading from God that told them to make the movie. So what you're telling me is that Darren's birthmark is capable of the exact same things? Yeah. Yeah, because I didn't even want you on the podcast. <laughs> I didn't want on it either. I, I've been trafficked. <laughs> so, David, we're going to get... <laughs> Moving on. I've just realised you've got a career, mate. Um, I, that's crazy, by the way. I'll be looking into that. I never knew that. But See if I can find article and I'll send yeah. it to you, right? David, it's very nice that you've came on, mate. I was on your podcast as well back in the day. We're just going to give, we're just going to shoot the shit, have a laugh and just a chat about your life and stuff and, you know, gigs and all that. But I was trying to think, when was the first time I actually met you? Was it for your podcast? The podcast, you came in with a flat cap, your <laughs> mid-hair transplant, I'm yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah. And your two pals were there. Aye, and they were like expressionless the whole time yeah they were just staring at you as you told your story yeah sitting on their phones as well like, like it was like an, an interrogation or something what the fuck is this um so how did that happen did you just reach out to me reached out to paul to get you on yeah i think um my auntie so i i, I watched uh scott squad huge fan saw that you were recording the studio and i reached out to paul to get you on um and then since then we've just been mates yeah and I've been to, I think, every furry bunch since. Yes, you have, mate. And that means a lot, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> Why? Why are you giggling? Because I didn't come on Sunday. <laughs> What's that? Because I didn't come on Sunday. Oh, because I'm looking at you there? Aye. I never even realised I was doing that there. Subconscious, though. Subconscious side-eye. Um, and then you even performed at a funny bunch as well. But I must apologise to you for that, because the venue wasn't that good. So I'll get you back at the... Blackfriars, mate. I find it funny that like that's kind of like a historic gig of the funny bunch that you always bring up in your sets and you slag it and everyone's like, I that was shy, but for me, because that was like the biggest <laughs> gig I'd done, I thought it was amazing. Yeah. And, uh, every time you bring it up, I'm like, was it because of me? Was it because of me? No, it was a venue. It was a venue 100%. You know, because every single one I've ran, I've ran so well. And then we went to a venue. I mean, nothing against them. They're just not a comedy venue. And, uh, Aye, it was just dark and damp, so I'll get you back for a, a Blackfriars, mate. How many gigs have you done? About 20 now. 20? I Aye. thought you were more than that. No, not many at all, mate. Oh, wow. Very new to the scene. I remember you were saying when you first started the, or relaunched the Funny Bunch or just started the Funny Bunch, you were like, oh, I don't really book comics. I do, I've not done like 50 gigs. Yeah. Um. So So you lied. I lied. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I've seen you a couple of times, mate, and that's why I booked you in. But I thought you'd done more than 20. So for people listening, uh, David does events as well. Like, um, what would the speaker events are they called? Yeah, so through my work, um, I work at a big professional services or accountancy firm. Um, that's kind of gatekept by university, the kind of typical people that work there in history have been like middle class, kind of privately educated, Russell Group University people. And I kind of snuck through the back door as an apprentice from a council estate and realised there was no many people like me in places like that. And mm. I wanted to start doing public speaking about social mobility, about working class, how you get more people like that into those kind of jobs. So I go around 
I guess the country and speak at my company, but other companies about how they can do that. And awesome. some of the challenges that I face through my story as well. So say stand up wise, you've maybe done a gig to like 50 people or something, but what's the biggest gig you've done for, for that? Um, I spoke in, t in front of the entirety of my work. This was over Zoom and it was like 16,000 people. Oh my on God. A Zoom call. Wow. Yeah. As you're sitting in your pants. I was sitting in my dad's like spare room in his pencil house. <laughs> <laughs> 16,000 people from the west coast of Scotland I know were you nervous? Uh, no really mate yeah uh, like the ones in person are far more scarier like I did one in Manchester a couple months ago and that was uh, like maybe a thousand people in real life because there's no hiding man you can't just like hit, use some notes you need to be on the ball so I wasn't that scared um, because I knew I could have notes at the side yeah that must be a surreal experience. Paul, you've worked with David before, haven't you? Aye, David's come in and used the studio more than a, more than a couple of times. Aye. Yes. Have you ever done a gig to 16,000 people? 16,000 people? Um, no. I think the biggest crowd that I've ever played music to was 3,000, 3,500. Um, and the most I've ever spoke in front is about eight, 900. Wow. Speaking about sales, of all things, you know. Man. That is, I can't. But believe. I find the I find the most. Oh, my cameras went. I find the most nerve wracking stuff. Sort my camera in a second. Is uh, the smaller. See, like I did a talk about podcast to uh, UWS University of West of Scotland to like their media course. And there's like fucking sixty people there. And I was bricking it, mate. Absolutely bricking it. Yeah. It's because you can see like the individual reaction of every single person. Same with, like some of the open mic gigs I've done. Like obviously that's how you kind of start comedy. You actually can see exactly who laughs and who doesn't. Yeah. Uh, whereas some of the bigger gigs, even like the funny bunch other with you, like the laughs are drowned out by maybe a hundred people that are there, or yeah, how many people are there. Or you see, you see their face going like that. <laughs> <laughs> you must get that a lot though. I, I think there's something that freaks me out about like the intimacy. Yeah, a smaller crowd of people like every single one say like you do karaoke in front of like so if i've went out and sang you know i would say that the average music gig that i did was say 200 people right ranging for like gigs where you're playing to like nebdy all the way up to like you know like the bigger gigs at the academy or whatever like that see when you're see if i was to get asked to sing karaoke to like four or five people worst nightmare don't want to do it it's got something to do with the intimate nature of what you're doing. Like when you're on a bigger stage to a bigger crowd, there's like a disconnection between you and them. You can almost like forget that they're there. You can get into a sort of flow state of what you're doing, but see when you're sitting there and people are just sitting looking at you, it's like impossible for you to do that. Yeah. So I find that freaks me out and I've never liked it, never ever liked it, which is weird because doing this, it's really intimate, super intimate, but I don't know, something different between doing a podcast and doing public speaking, even though they, they sort of do cross over a wee bit or blah, blah, blah. But I, I just, smaller groups just means like more fear. Yeah. You ever died in your arse when singing, Paul? Like, aye. <laughs> really? Aye. Fuck aye. Aye, one night in Inverness, I got a, a machine head for a bass guitar, go in and like scratch my retina. And, and also like, I don't know if I've ever, told i don't know if i've ever told this in the podcast before but one night we played in london and it was like a massive gig it was camden underworld it's like oh you know oh can't wait for this london you know blah 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 and we were support 
no, we were headlining the gig and the band that went on before us, sort of six, eight weeks earlier, had been on tour with a massive band, like huge, like unbelievably huge. And they were like the new White Stripes was only like two of them. So like the gig was full for them. I'm getting deja vu. I have told this in a podcast, but I don't know if that's I don't one. think, no, no. And I told this in yours. So basically I've told it, I was on David's podcast and I told him this and it was the smoking band had come in in London and I hadn't come in in Glasgow. So what happened was the room emptied. Don't know about three folk feel like, I can't remember what the capacity of the London Underground is, but it was sold out. And we just went backstage, just took as many Class A drugs as I could get my hands on. And then <laughs> like 30 seconds into the gig, the place was packed again. And then I don't really remember anything other. Like it just goes into a myriad of like me being a mess. The, the funny thing about being able to sing in a band or play live music is people don't really notice when you're like, so... It's, you can mask it you can mask you can front your way through a gig like the ones where i would say that i've died on mars mo i've come off stage and people are like oh it's great so it's funny like your perception of it whereas i think for a comedian it's less your perception more like you just die in your ass like you're saying the jokes and you're not getting laughs whereas for me on a stage playing music it was more about my perception and my performance rather than anybody else's that's what's important to me i actually hated it when i came off stage and was like gig was shite and people would be like i thought it was fucking amazing because i would just be like you don't know what you're talking about or you're lying to me which is worse whereas yeah. actually you don't realize that no they might have enjoyed themselves and you just don't get why have you ever horrifically died in your ass, david Mate, apart from the funny bunch kid. <laughs> that was a joke that was a joke Mate, hunters mate because i'm like 20 gigs in the kind of kill death ratio like to the call of duty term the kd ratio is like shite uh so i've died hundreds of times um i guess leading up to the funny bunch i died mars twice in a row two nights before so when you asked me up for the funny bunch i was maybe maybe a month since i last gigged so I looked on the open spot or open mic uh, list to see what kind of rough gigs I could do before the funny bunch. Um, so I picked Salsa. Yeah. Merchant City. It's like a Caribbean restaurant. Great bunch of lads that run it, but because they don't really... <laughs> How funny is that? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's mad. It's a Caribbean restaurant does a comedy night. Aye. Uh, so I picked that one. Like, great... Great group of guys that run it, uh, good friends with them all, but yeah. like it's no well advertised through the bar itself. Mm -hmm. So most people who go to it are just going up for their dinner, you know, like first dates and all that. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second one I signed up for was a place in Paisley called The Gantry. And Paisley's Paisley's, there's like a full set of teeth in the whole place, you know. Yeah. Uh, so it's a bit of a rough boozer. So when I went up and did uh, Salsa, um, my whole set that I did for the Funny Bunch was about masturbation, making like kind of boyish humour, tongue-in-cheek jokes about wanking, comparing it to other things. And loads of folk were sitting there eating their dinner <laughs> and I'm sitting talking about wanking over my grand, grand's bed sheets and all that. <laughs> and honestly, I didn't get one laugh for the whole 10 minutes I was up there. And uh, Chris Scott, who was also on the same Funny Bunch, yeah. just watched me die on my arse. Never met this guy before. He watched me die on my arse <laughs> as I was like one of the open spots in his next show. Um, it was horrendous. And what then did, What did he say? Um... 
he, he, I think he just like kind of nodded out of sympathy to, to me. You know what I mean? Like, I know who you are. I'm on the same gig as you soon. I'm sorry, son. Basically, that, mm-hmm. that's all that nod said. Um, oh, but they've all been there, haven't they? Oh, fuck I. Because I'm at the stage now that I've had Iron Mars. We just kind of laugh about it in the green room, but it's still hard. It's still hard. I had, I've had a couple that are worse than that. Um, the worst one I've had um, was... So I'd been doing open mics quite frequently after I did a comedy course, right? Um, and the set that I'd built for that comedy course and that I kind of used for open mics afterwards was about the passing of my mum. So my mum passed in 2020 and as a way to kind of cope, I wrote a kind of five-minute set about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of dismissive of it. It's quite tongue-in-cheek. It's really dark in, in nature, right? And uh, so I did this open, this couple open mics and one of the lads that run one of the nights at Tenants came up to me and said, oh, um, I think his name's Paddy, Paddy Linton. He said, David, we'd love you to jump on one of our gigs. I loved your set. Um, like, why don't you try that down at Tenants? And for me, that was the first time I had been like selected to do comedy opposed to like just turning up for open mic. So you're on the poster. And for me, that was a big deal being on the poster. And I mind sharing it on Facebook. And I had just moved from Ayrshire, where I'm from, to Glasgow. So I shared it on Facebook, not thinking that anyone from my hometown would turn up. Um, and it was the night after I'd moved in. And uh, bearing in mind, this whole set's about the passing of my mum, kind of really tongue-in-cheek, really dark sense of humour. And I've got this kind of poster boy image online with my family, right? So post it online, the, the, the picture and the link. And uh, the day before, just as I moved in to Glasgow, I got a message from my two mental working class blue collar cousins right uh they were 38 right and they said oh david we're up at that top golf tomorrow uh we're going into west end for a couple of pints after we've seen that you're on that gig we'd love to come and watch you and i'm thinking no mate this is my, my like my third gig so about my mom like i can't have my cousins turning up to it <laughs> so I, I lie to them i say oh sorry i've just moved into my new flat uh i pulled out uh but if i'm around i maybe join you for a pint or that right leaving it at that right so the next day comes I'm shiting myself for my first proper gig, right? Uh, six o'clock comes, I'm heading to the gig for it, the doors opening. And I get another message from them saying, oh, we're at that top golf, by the way. We've actually came to tenants for a pint. We're going to watch the comedy anyway. <laughs> 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 if you're around, would you like to come? And I had to, like, on the way there, message them saying, oh, sorry, I forgot to tell you I'm back on the bill. And I'm fucking... Oh, no. <laughs> fucking shitting myself <laughs> honestly me and my pals are walking there and I'm just like the whole way there I'm just saying my set aloud because I'm so nervous um, and I turn up and it was after a Rangers game so a lot of the punters who were there watching the Rangers game had stayed for the comedy they hadn't even bought tickets and they were a rowdy bunch and because I brought my cousins and a bunch of my pals because I'd sold quite a few tickets Paddy did a nice gesture and bumped me up before the headliner Oh man, main support in your fucking third gig. Third gig. Oh my god. And uh, mate, it was kicking off every comic who'd maybe done maybe 50 gigs, loads of open mics, was going up, getting heckled to fuck, dying on their arse, <laughs> literally arguing with the fucking punters. And at the same time, my cousins were getting fucking out their nut, out their bin, cutting across to the bar during the acts. They were heckling the other act. <laughs> during the break, they were taking me up to the sign and getting selfies with me and all that. I, obviously I'm no pally with anyone in the circuit at that point or any of the local guys so I'm pure embarrassed and then I have to go up and do this set about my dead ma in front of their nephews and their mad wives <laughs> I go up and I'm trembling I'm like doing a public speech there's no tone in my voice and there's a, a joke where I make I call my mum a dog in it right 
And I, I see this joke and the fucking grimace in their face. Every other cunt's laughing and they're kicking off because other folk are laughing at their D-Dante. And honestly, I have to cut this, I have to cut this set early. <laughs> and I say, that's all I've got tonight, folks. And I just walk off full of embarrassment and they've never talked to me since. <laughs> they've not talked to you no, since? No, they have, they have. Just birthdays and Christmases and that. <laughs> <laughs> just Facebook posts on your birthday. Happy birthday, David. Hope you're well. Oh. You're like, I'm 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 doing well, guys. How are you? And it's like nothing. <laughs> the worst. That's the worst, man. You're Facebooking everybody. Be careful of him. Um so that your mum passed away in 2020. Did you do comedy? Did you do that as a joke because you thought it was funny? Or did you do that? to cope with it definitely cope um so i'd enjoyed coming to the funny bunch like i consumed comedy for years and one of the themes that always came out in comedy was people using their hardships using their maybe addiction battles or death or loss or uh, recovery and sets and i thought well that seems like a good way to start speaking about it mm -hmm. and when I did that course, the first thing that came to mind was, well, maybe I should make jokes and make light of the whole end-to-end -end journey of my mum passing away and the kind of grievance process. And as I started writing about it and cracking jokes, it actually allowed me to think about it more and allowed some of the hard things that I saw. So for context's sake, I got a phone call in the gym from my dad saying your mum's collapsed. Like, can you head home? And as I rushed home, I watched my mum essentially pass away from a heart attack on on my, uh, my you know hallway floor. And I had to watch that. And obviously there's so many vivid memories that stick in through that experience, but I didn't really often revisit them. But when I changed the context to, instead of right, reminiscing of it, of pain and started to like look through those circumstances through laughter and through comedy, it allowed me to actually revisit loads of those memories and deal with them. And as a result, I started to come into Paul for therapy because I'd finally accepted like the whole end-to-end -end journey. So yeah. it was actually so therapeutic. Me that I never realised you did therapy with Paul. I did. That's brilliant. I mean, that is such a sad story, man. I'm sorry that you lost your mum, but it's an amazing thing that you found comedy through it. And Paul and myself talk about kind of dark things on this subject and uh, on this podcast. And I know Paul's dad passed away and he's got some mad stories about his dad. I've got some mad stories about my family and you can't just help but laugh at the fucking madness of it. I think it's a Scottish thing as well, isn't it? It must be a Scottish thing. Mm. There's no chance that there's people in like Colombia saying, <laughs> you know what I mean? My dad's not getting any fucking teeth and he ran through the fucking living room he's banging it. No, all right. That's because in Colombia they'd be like, el papa, el banger. <laughs> el living room. <laughs> Sorry, mate. <laughs> I, I don't, I think it's a total human thing. Like, I think that we come at it from like that very sort of Scottish perspective and when you're talking about people for the West Coast of Scotland, specifically men, specifically like, Boomer men, you know, that generation of people that were raised by people that survived World War Two and had lived through World War One, They were all kind of fucked, weren't they? So we've definitely got, like, that sort of perspective. But I think, like, processing traumatic experiences through laughter's, I think, a universal thing. I think there's so many American, like David just said there, like, how many of them go up and tell the story about their addiction or go up and use the story of their life that's usually get some sort of, sort of hardship? Mm -hmm. I think there's something about comedy that attracts people that struggle to process things 
in a serious manner but find it cathartic to do it in that sort of like humorous way or whatever i don't know and for me i think it's like such a better coping mechanism like so many people when you tell them you've lost someone especially like it being a what 21 at the time people always say oh i'm sorry and their tone of voice always lowers and they're very empathetic and they feel sorry for you hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. I hate that kind of attraction. Like, regardless of what happened, like, she did pass away, it's a fact. Why always revisit it with a kind of tone of pain? Why don't you go back in time and think about the funny memories, think about the funniness of the funeral and some of the things that happened? If you're going to revisit it, why don't you revisit it with, like, kind of rose-tinted glasses almost? Um, I don't know if that's just a coping mechanism, maybe. Was, was there anything funny that happened at the funeral? I mean, so me and my sister have a very similar sense of humour. Like, I think maybe going back to Paul's point there about this kind of boomer generation, like loss and death um, and tragic events was something that we've seen through my parents, right? Coming up, my dad was from Kelly. He was in a, grew up in a kind of abusive working class kind of background and he lost loads of people growing up. Like I had a twin he lost his brother, my grandpapa's died around me, so we're so desensitised to, to death. Um, so I think that's why we're able to make such light of it and go through these moments in time uh, with laughter. But I remember at my mum's funeral, there's a couple of things that were really funny. My mum was such a hilarious person, so I know she wouldn't mind me uh, telling these stories and making jokes about her on stage. I remember her vividly saying that when she passed away, she didn't want anyone to wear black. And she loved uh, Bay City Rollers. Do you know the Bay City Rollers? Yep. Yeah, yeah. And they were... Shang f- no, like Les McCune yep. and all that. He was a shang. Aye, aye. Um, so they were like infamous for wearing like tartan, right? Yeah. So every cunt that turned up to my mum's wedding was wearing like multi-coloured tartan, right? And this was just before lockdown hit. So you're allowed like as many people at the grave as you want. So um, we shared that on Facebook. Like these are the dates for the funeral turn up dressed as Les McCune, essentially, right? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, the priest's like, what the fuck is happening here? <laughs> who's dunted that holy water, man? I'm <laughs> fucked. Uh, right? So, and obviously, like, as, as, as young, like, early 20-something-year-olds, my sister was 18 at the time, like, so many people don't feel sorry. For, they feel sorry for my mum, but they feel incredibly sorry for us, mm-hmm. right? So I remember turning up Graveside, um, <laughs> graveside. I don't mean to laugh at this, right? Turning up graveside, uh, in the kind of family car. It's me, my dad, and my sister at the back, right? Dressed like fucking fannies, and we look over at the graveside, and it's packed, man. You could have sold tickets. My mum was like so well loved. She was such a, a radiant of light, um, around my local area, and uh, my sister clocks this guy. She goes, "Oh, there's 
we'll say his name. I don't think he listens to this, right? He goes, she goes, there's Graham Flanagan. So for context, like, Graham Flanagan was this wee guy that I was best mates with in primary school and he was a bit of an introvert and a really fussy eater. Like, he was a bit of a peculiar young man. Great friend growing up. But one thing that was really unique about him was that every single dinner he had was a rollover hot dog, right? <laughs> <laughs> right? And we're, we're, we're driving up in this family car right to the grave. And I mean, there's hundreds of folk greeting their eyes out, just like nodding their head at sympathy to me and my sister. All the eyes are on me and my sister. And my sister goes, same sense of humor as me, she goes, there's Graham Flanagan. I think I can smell hot dogs. <laughs> me and my dad and my sister burst out <laughs> laughing, pissing ourselves. But it looks like we're laughing at every cunt dressed like Les McEwen. <laughs> and they're all greeting at us and we can't keep it together. Trying to walk at this car towards the grave, pissing ourselves laughing. <laughs> That's class, man. That's so funny. I was the same age, man, when I lost my dad. I was 21. Were you as young as that? Yeah, man. man. Really? And I, 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 like, you, people feel... I, there was a couple of things that that really annoy me about when people talk talk to you and they don't know how to act. It doesn't annoy me. It just kind of it did at the time. It doesn't know because I understand more about like humans and death freaks people out. And then obviously, like if they've still got their dads, you know, they're thinking about, oh my god, what age you twenty one? Oh, so they just think, what would I be like? I'd be a mess and blah blah blah. Or way more resilient than what we give ourselves credit for. Like you get through shit, right? It's bad, but you get through it. Um. But when I would say to people, what was it? The one that used to get me is people would be like, oh, got to meet my dad. <gasps> oh, oh, sorry. And I'd be like, it's all right. Folk I, know, dads. I know you've got a dad. <laughs> I know, like, it's all right. But then now they'll say stuff about like, oh, what does your, what does your, what about your dad? And I'll be like, oh, my dad passed away. And I'll be like, oh, really sorry to hear that. And I'll be like, it was like 21 years ago, guys. Like, uh, sorry, I get what you're saying, but see, like that, I'm really sorry to hear that. It's like happened a long time ago. I'm okay. Don't worry about it. You know what I mean? And like, I would, I, I try and because of that, I've got maybe a sense of that. And what I try and sort of like, so if somebody says to me, like, oh, my mum my passed away, I would always be like, oh, when did that happen? And then if it was like, oh, like six months ago, I'd be like, how are you keeping up? Rather than just being like, I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear that. Like, why are you sorry to hear that? Like, do you know what I mean? And, or what would happen if I were like, I'm happy? Like, it was a, you know what I mean? And, like, I didn't like him, we didn't get on, or whatever it might be. It's not like necessarily the type of bit of information that you need to instantly be like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Rather than be like, oh, when did that happen? And like, oh, that must have been tough or whatever. And just try and like, what was it like? Or are you all right? And like, how's your, how's your mum or how's your thing with coping up? Like, rather than just being like, I'm really sorry to hear that. Because, you don't know the circumstances, you know? Or you ever had someone who tries to relate to a story like that? I was back, so I moved to Glasgow, and I often go back down to Presswick to see my old man. And it's like where he lives is in the heart of the scheme. And I, I was down visiting him, and I went and popped into like the, the spa shop across the road to get him some tenants, right? And there's this boy from my primary school who lives in the same scheme, uh, like ahead of me in the queue. And this boy, a bit socially awkward, we've not spoken in years, and we don't have, like, our paths have taken very different kind of routes, right? And uh, I say, oh, hello, Andrew. Like, do you remember me? My name's David. Like, good to see you, mate. Like, like what are you up to? And then he makes some small chat. He's looking for a job and all that. And he says to me, like, he's struggling to, like, think about what to ask me. So the first thing he says is, how's your mum? And I'm like, I feel so bad that I need to explain. Because I know how he's going to take this. Mm -hmm. I feel so bad 
to, to bring this up and I'm like, oh, I'm sorry, Andrew, but she, she passed away a couple of years ago. And the first thing he goes, oh, hey, remember my dog Betsy? <laughs> I had to put it down four years ago. <laughs> like, I'm, oh, I'm trying not to laugh. But I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. But obviously that was the only parallel that he could draw between yeah. the stories. <laughs> That's crazy. I would rather you just said fuck your mom. <laughs> <laughs> it's. It, I mean, I think like the types of things that it's dead easy for that type of thing to trigger somebody where they would maybe be like going like that doesn't really compare me, you know, like losing your dog. But see, just like you're saying, it's the only point of reference that the guy's got, and he's actually trying to relate to you. And you was a kind of such a good place, right? Uh huh. Just comes out really awkward backwards and, and 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 for some people that can be really like they could be like really you're comparing the death of your dog to my mum like okay yeah. fuck off basically but yeah actually that guy's just trying to relate to you and, and be you know some oh, i kind of know what you're going through and it's just like humans are funny man yeah like, i joke about that in my set it's kind of aimed towards my brother my brother used to be really bad for saying you've just got you've just got to get on with it mm. so we had moments like i've come for a big family i've had like an uncle die and literally bef before the ambulance even took him out the house my brother was like ah, ah well you've just got to get on with it so i was like gonna let me go through the process of grief first you cunt like that was my favorite uncle <laughs> my favourite uncle <laughs> sorry I don't need to laugh at that. no I hear it's funny I find the humour I tell you another this is quite sad right uh, I've got a best pal I was his best man at the wedding and stuff we're childhood friends and there was a boy that we were mates with in school that passed away about a month ago and he was childhood friends with him from primary school right up and then we went through different paths and I stopped being mates with him when I was like 15 or something but anytime I bumped into him in the street it was always like brand new and it was nice to see him but he passed away and my mate took it really badly and I was kind of shocked as well because I'm like fuck man I'm only 36 and that's someday that was in my year and you go through that process so we went to the funeral right and it was fucking heartbreaking because everybody for the schools there right no, I actually felt myself getting emotional and I was like, I can't believe I'm going to get emotional for somebody that I've no really seen for so long. But I, I'm at an age now that I know that you need to get that out if you do get emotional. So we're stoning, basically fucking stoning at the coffin and I'm there with my pal to support him and he's about to burst out greeting. I'm nearly greeting because my pal's greeting. And this mad cunt just walks up to his right, somebody that we used to buy hash off in school. <laughs> and he's like, ah, literally a ball hair off of doing that on the coffin with his elbow. And he's like, ah, I listen to your fucking podcast, Bobby. <laughs> All right, Bobby boy, give your autograph, mate. And I was like, all right, and he's like, ah, you're fucking doing all right for yourself, <laughs> aren't you? And I'm like, mate, shh. He's like, he's more the boy that passed away, he's more his brother and all that, or like, I could have done that with my arm and touched his maw, and he's like, ah, fucking Officer Karen! And I was like, it's good to see you, mate, and then me and my pal go back into his car, and it was one of the moments we couldn't help but just <laughs> laugh at the absolute madness of the situation. Because I was like, that to him, I wanted to fucking cry there, and my mate was literally slapping the fucking wheel, like, how mental was that? A guy that we used to buy fucking hash off He must have been smoking too much, he's in supply, that fucking wheel though, man. Yes. But I've got, 
I think that I mean like see we spoke about this before on the podcast where I was saying that like I actually think when you get to a place where you can actually like inject humour into stuff that's quite very sad. It's not even quite sad, very fucking sad. You're at you're actually at the point where you're like, Oh, I'm starting to move through it. Do you know what I mean? And like you were saying, why do we look back and look at things in sort of sadness? I think that, that like Darren says, like I think that in the initial periods of grief, the reason why that happens is because your brain knows you need to get through this. Mm. We need to get through this. There's a lot of sadness here. It, you know, it will drain you, you know, it'll make you unmotivated. It will do a lot. Can, grief can actually like make people like, ruin their life. You know, they can go into an addiction they can lose their house. They can, they can end relationships. So I think when you think back when, you know, my dad first passed away, your mum first passed away and you have the memories. So almost like your brain's like get through these because then we'll get to the point where we can look back and we can remember the fun like the kindness, like the or the, the positivity that this person brought to your life. But man, he passed away twenty twenty one, right? Man, he had a lot of problems. Like my mom's side of the family, you know, spoke spoken your podcast about my own trauma and like what I went through as a kid and blah blah blah. But my mum, I think there's something in that side of the family that we've not been told because they either all left or you know, my auntie basically ate herself to death. And I mean that, like she she she'd she'd been agoraphobic when I was like a wee boy. What does that mean? Uh, couldn't leave the house, or else she would have panic attacks. She used to used to get explained to me like she gets dizzy and she feels sick. And I'd always be like, as a wee boy, going like, "What the fuck's going mm. on there?" But then as you get older, you're like, "Oh, she's she was experiencing panic, right?" So she went through that, and then multiple suicide attempts, hospitalised, institutionalised came back out actually had a right good attempt and a right good go at what you would say quote unquote like a normal life a boyfriend and all that fell apart and then she just ended up housebound but she ended up basically like chairbound where she would just eat she got really big right my cousin's not gonna i'm sure my cousin would be happy about me sort of he's not gonna listen to this but if he does you know i loved your more i'm no slagging her this is just the facts right so my uncle <laughs> That I was there on Sunday, right? He's for Portsmouth, he's ex Navy, he's got zero filter. I'm talking like he does not give a fuck. He's been through cancer scares. He actually was on a submarine that during the Falklands where a missile missed the sub by a couple of hundred feet and he was a radar guy, so they evacuated the submarine, but he had to stay at his post and then he had PTSD and so and then he nearly died of cancer so much so they paid out his pension you know like his life insurance paid out he survived it so he now gives no fucks right he's he's at that age where he's like i don't care what you think of me and he just speaks his mind <laughs> so we were pole bearers and the guy that's like the undertaker was like do you want to carry her in like by your side you don't need to lift her up and my cousin was like i would like her to get what i see as a proper proper send-off so if it's not too much bother and the guys agree can we lift her up? And I'm like, no bother. And we lift her up and he's pure, oh my God. And he's like, as he said, she could have maybe I put the cake down every once in a while, eh, Tom? Because my cousin's called Thomas. Oh my God. <laughs> and I'm like, holy shit, did he just fucking say that? And I'm like trying not to burst out laughing. Like I'm not even like upset. And I'm looking at my cousin and my cousin's like, he'd look in his face as if he better shut the fuck up <laughs> but i was like inside and in hysterics like this is just no filter i think we all fit we all thought the same thing when we picked it up oh my god this is heavy 
he did not filter himself. He was pure fucking hell. Oh, she could have maybe put the cakes down every once in a while. Hey, Tom, and it's just like, he, I think like somebody like him has an easier time in life than somebody who would be like, oh, I couldn't say that to somebody. I'd be worried about how they would react and blah, blah, blah. I think people like, they get to that stage in their life, maybe they've met near death or, and they just realise like, fuck it. Like, it doesn't even matter what people think about you. Just, if even you say something, you upset somebody. I know that maybe this doesn't apply to you, Darren, because I know like, you love a grudge. <laughs> but most people let it go after like a couple of days or like they don't even think about it even sometimes and you just get caught in that like why did i say that why did i say that and then i look at this guy he's, he's called mac he's peter mcswain and i called him mac and i just look at him and i'm like do you know what i want to be a wee bit more like that don't want to be making inappropriate comments about somebody that's in a coffin and i'm lifting their coffin but also what he did there encapsulates something that i think is you know, we could all move towards thinking less about how we impact people when we say stuff that just sort of rolls off the top of your head and blah, blah, blah. I don't even know why. I don't know. Funny funeral story. I, I quite like using those kind of people, though, for, like, perspective shifts, right? So, like, during lockdown, I used, like, obviously we all had a shite time of it, right? And most people's mental health was a bit fucked, at least maybe not in the long term, but you'd have kind of off days. And any time I had a kind of depressive day, I would go down and see my old man who, like like I said, grew up in Arsenda Kamarnik and then he was in the Falklands and, and, and Northern Ireland. And I would just tell him, ask him to tell me a shitey story from the war to make me feel better about myself. And he was like, aye, right, son. So there's this one time I ripped the boots off a dead Argentinian and then it was good because for the last two days I was pushing on my feet to keep them warm. And I'm like, all right, I'll go back upstairs and do my spreadsheets and thanks for the motivation, dad. <laughs> <laughs> Scottish dads are built different, aye, they? Man. You didn't get things like depression when we were young. You're like, aye, you did. And you're like, aye, but do you remember that, you know, you used to go and drink half of your wages on a Friday night and like be in the pub until Sunday afternoon at which you would come home, have a roast, go for a sleep and go back to work? Maybe that was mental. Nah, that wasn't mental health, mate. Paul, nah, we just, that's just what we did. Aye. My dad's got PTSD from the army and when he introduces himself to new people, you always like, introduces himself as having that or having like depression um and it's, it's kind of heartbreaking to see but the kind of funny thing about that is that he never calls it pdst he calls it pds pdsa and i'm sure that's like the animal, animal protection I, company I was going to say the P, is the pdsa no like the social like the if your own benefits you can take your there and get a free vet <laughs> that's exactly I'll get pdsa <laughs> So every time he introduces himself, he's basically saying, I can put my, my cat down for nothing. <laughs> Speaking about that, do you want to share that story? Are you ready? Oh, I'm ready. So talking about grief, I'm actually grieving at the moment. My, my best friend for, for 18 years by my side, every step of the way, every highlight, every low light, he was there. He wasn't talkative, really, but I would talk to him. And I could confide in him. Um, my, my wee cat Tyson passed away two, two nights ago, 18 years old. Oh, man. Uh, Tyson, though? Tyson. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Sounds like a bulldog, doesn't it? That's not the funny part, fuck's oh, sake. sorry, sorry. Uh, <laughs> I know the you're funny part was how your dad 
broke the news to you. Aye, so I got a text message. You're making me look like a cunt here, <laughs> <laughs> fuck's sake. Tell, tell, the, tell, the, tell, the, tell the people about your cat dying, David. Go. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's typical. It just reminds me of my family, mate. Uh, like, my mum was like that in the photo. You weren't checking for heaters for your dinner the night? By the way, your auntie's heart exploded. <laughs> <I'm> like, <"Right." laughs> so like, my dad, like, like, this is a guy that looks tries to be so self-sovereign and look a- look after every situation by himself, right? So he'll take on the role as a vet as much as he can, right? So he phones me the, he phones me the night before the d- I think that's illegal. <laughs> <laughs> so he phones me the night before. So, right, rest in peace. Right, let me disclaim this, right? Okay. Rest in peace, Tyson. Good guy. Uh, absolute warrior. Love you, bro. This, this podcast is dedicated to you, right? Rest in peace, Tyson, <laughs> is the name of the podcast. Hashtag R.I.P. Tyson. People think Mike Tyson's did. <laughs> <laughs> you ever seen those TikToks where folk run up to their parents like, you'll never guess what, you'll never guess what, Simon Kill found dead, 56. Uh, folk will use that as the uh, intro for this podcast, I'm, right? I'd be disappointed if somebody came up to me and said that and I found out it wasn't true. <laughs> uh, but the real Tyson... The real Tyson... <laughs> 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 the real Tyson is dead, right? So as the cat was passing away, right? I think he fell down the stairs. He was looking a bit limp. Um, he's usually quite a kind of lively cat. My dad phoned me the night before he passed away and said, David, uh, I think the cat's dying. <laughs> I just at the blue. I think the cat's dying. And I'm like, oh, right. Th- thanks for letting me know, Dad. I'm, I'm really sorry to hear that. Are you doing all right? Do you need any help? What do you need from me? And I'm in, uh, I'm in the co-op scanning my stuff. Uh, I'm getting like soup, I'm getting my wee bits and bob, and I just seen this request pop on my phone. It's FaceTime, and my dad's like, "Aye, let me video call you. Let me show. You. Let me show you." I'm like, "I don't want to see my cat dying." You know what I mean? Like, I think he's trying to like share that experience with me, and I'm like, "Dad, I'm in the co-op. Like, I know they do they do like funeral care, but I'm in the I'm in the Aye, Jesus Christ, like, come on. <laughs> yeah." Look, look, he's dying. What? <laughs> Fucking leave me alone, man. Jesus Christ. Like, <laughs> look, there's Tyson getting an eight count. <laughs> you know what I mean? Scottish dads are built different than then, your spot on it. So <sighs> I said, just for my sister, she'll contact an emergency vet for you. I'm in the shop just now. I, I, like, I'm about to have my dinner. I don't want to see a half a cat. You know what I mean? And then uh, I get my sister to deal with it, right? And then the next morning, about 2, 2 a.m., 2, 2 a.m., I get a text message through and I, I don't read it and I wake up at six as I usually do to read it and I just get these three le- uh, three words cat is dead <laughs> <laughs> actually nothing else but cat is dead no even Ty- no even enough to name the cat Aye, Tyson's dead but I, don't, I actually don't think my dad knew the, the cat's name oh wow uh, or he never referred to the cat as Tyson he always like that fucking cat that cat because the cat used to always wake him up by scratching the door at 6am uh-huh. And he would go, fuck off, cat, every single morning. That's what woke... When I lived with my dad, that was my alarm clock, was my dad shouting, fuck off, cat, every morning. Wow. Uh, so now my dad's not got an alarm clock. He's fucked. <laughs> Long lies for your dad. <laughs> God, but, that's a shame, mate. I know it's like 18 years for a cat. Paul loves his cats. I know I've never actually had an animal before, but I know that it can be... You're an animal. I, I'm the boy pig. Um, <laughs> I know it can be hardcore when people get attached to, you know... They'll let your pet. babies, aren't they, man? Oh, They'll let your wee babies. Oh, man. I, so, well, I'm 25, 18 years old. I had it since I was seven, you know what I mean? Wow. It's been through everything. 
with me, man. Do you think um, your dad will be phoning you? Like, I, I heard it. It's still in the house. <laughs> so he, he was pure worried because he phoned the emergency vet the, when it was happening, right? And the emergency vet said, oh, just, just leave the cat overnight. It'll maybe pass away in its sleep. There's, there's not much we can do. He's 18 years old. First thing my dad says to the emergency vet was, can I bury it in the garden? <laughs> And they're like, no, you can't. Can you not? No. Is that against the law? It's against the law in case other animals dig up, I think. Ah. Wow. And it's just funny that that's where my dad's brain went to, was how much is this going to cost me? What's the cheapest option? So actually, what is the process when your animal passes away then? What do you do? do? Taxidermy. Aye. (laughs) (laughs) Get it stuffed. You've never had a pet, but you want a stuffed cat. You want a stuffed aye. Tyson. How much? <laughs> um, aye, that's mad that you weren't, you're not allowed to bury it. I mean, mm. understandable. Aye, like I a fox it. maybe come along and dig it up, and then you're having to fucking clean up the, the remains of your animal, you know? Do you really want to be doing that? Kind of get it. But then also, I'm like, how many, I'm pretty sure we buried an animal in the back garden back in the day. I think, I think we maybe did that with a couple of, like, gerbils and stuff. <laughs> guinea pigs you just get filed into a shoebox that was the way that was the way it got done mate see your time place and era man you probably could have sold that as an attraction (laughs) one round of mind and bury a gerbil one day like uh, a lassie we was in primary school and I've got a feeling we were maybe about primary five or six and can't believe I'm telling this. <laughs> this a lassie that I went to school so I went to St Thomas's which was in Ridry and in the 90s the Lord Provost house was in Ridry so Ridry I've heard another comedian describe Ridry as the Switzerland of the East End <laughs> it's got Black Hill Rikese Cranhill Carntine Deniston High Kill Duke Street or and about it and then this bit's like not get a young team not get a gang everybody's in a bought house like they've got like Australian style villas in Ridry and then they've also got like these older like I say the Lord Provost house used to be in Ridry Crescent so it's like really nice you still walk through it going to school and um there was a, a girl that went to school with me and she came into school and she was like oh like my rabbit get you know we don't know but she was saying in the class type thing like they the foxes come and try and attack it, but obviously it's in like a rabbit hutch, but they think that the rabbit got out the rabbit hutch and either a fox has got it or it's just away and we need to try and find it. And a guy that I went to school with, and I, what name him? A guy Doin. called Tam. What did you say there? <laughs> Doin. Doin. A guy named Tam found a dead rabbit and a bit of the ridgery called the rocks, which is like weirdly not a play part it's like a bit of spare ground with like a sort of mountainous bit of rock on it that people used to go and hang about and get drunk and you couldn't see it for the street because it was quite high up and he got it with a stick and he was running down Ridry like as we were coming out of school going there's your rabbit <laughs> we're like a rabbit carcass hanging first then there's stick <laughs> that's ho- I have a feeling <laughs> I have a feeling. Sorry. Is that funny? It's horrifying, isn't it? I have a feeling that he's probably took the rabbit for our garden, by the way. I think it turned out that it was a, a fox. Oh, right, okay. It was a fox. Had, the rabbit got out of the hutch and a fox grabbed it, took it because they found a fox hole. Hmm. So it's took the rabbit and they've munched it. Um, well, but aye, this guy was pure. Yeah, but he was a wee bit. He was one of the ones in school. Do you know what I mean? And when I'm looking back and I'm like, I wonder when went on his house, you uh, know. He he's in the jail now. Mm. I think he might have went to jail. Oh, wow. Horrific. 
we're talking about animal sacrifice on the podcast but today. sorry I've got that PDSA <laughs> <laughs> don't you can't talk about that man I've got PDSA about the death of an animal I the post traumatic they give you therapy dogs and all that David I'm going to get a therapy dog <laughs> <laughs> golden labrador therapy dog I actually have like depression dogs <laughs> depre- the depression candle now you get the depression dog XL bully <laughs> <laughs> get an XL bully. I, I, I do get like see when I, I think about like um what my cats dying as they inevitably will within my lifetime you know it's like a weird thing you're like oh I want them to I don't I don't like the idea of them like dying but also like I hope I don't die first because I've only got like a 15 year lifespan and I want to be past 15 years but see when I think about that it's really upsetting they're literally like I, I think I don't have kids so I don't know if I've maybe like transferred like that part of me that's supposed to be like, oh, there's my wings to like, there's my cats because I don't have children. But did Sharon breastfeed them? She she did not, <laughs> and I'll I'll have you know that. I wow. would look that in space, <laughs> Holy fuck! I hope she doesn't listen to this podcast, mate, because I think she'd probably come and stab you in the throat for fucking. <laughs> See, to be honest, what I would say is, if she could, she would have like she's that attached to them. Yeah. Mm. You never know now, all these fucking mad cunts. <laughs> Somebody's probably tried it. Uh, Here, uh, I used to get bread. I used to get breastfed when I was younger. How many years ago was that? My uncle hated it. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, <laughs> to the break of dawn, baby. Is that why he's your favourite uncle? <laughs> <laughs> the juiciest of tits. <laughs> Rest in peace. Imagine that in his eulogy. <laughs> Aye. He had some set of bangers on him, man. Aye. Some set of realers, man. <laughs> <laughs> That's us approaching now, mate. A couple of minutes left. Yes, David, we're going to, we just do an hour, mate. So I hope you don't mind. You're always welcome to come back on. But for people that listen to the podcast, can you give yourself a punt, your own podcast a shout? My podcast is called The Development by David Podcast. It's a bit more serious than this one. Um, yes. <laughs> is, uh, growing up where I grew up, I didn't have any role models, so I wanted to create an online director of role models. So its mission statement is to use origin stories as a self-development tool. I get to bring on the world's most fascinating people, either in this studio or over Zoom. Previous guests include Scotland's richest man, Sir Tom Hunter, Nick Yaris, a gentleman that was on death row for 22 years for a rape and murder he didn't commit, the ex-CEO of Sony Music, and people like Sinita, Simon Kilzek, so really, really cool people, and some local guys who come in the studio as well. Amazing. Uh, thanks for letting me plug it, mate. Amazing, mate, no problem. And then, obviously, David's got Instagram and Twitter and stuff, and I was on his podcast, so... So was I, so you can go and... Go and check out our... Maybe me and Paul can return, mate, as guests. We need to start double-teaming cunts. Uh, <laughs> that just totally came out my... That came out the wrong way there. That uh, came out the wrong. That we... came out the wrong. I've got that fucking PRD, I know. <laughs> <laughs> the PRD disorder. Um, I so thank you very much for joining us. I'm, I apologise that it took so long, mate. But shout out to Alan Arguing Co for sponsoring the podcast if you leave us a five star review it would be appreciated and rest in peace to dearest sweetest Tyson rest in peace Tyson I've not even got a cat (laughs) (laughs) 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.